He's got a first and ten. McKinnon, Brown a block, and a block will open up the door. The game is over. Touchdown run, McKinnon. The Chiefs have won. And they win the division. If there's anything we can say for sure about that football game, it's that we just... Well, we watched a football game. Yes, it was played with an oblong ball. Two teams played it for 60 minutes and then some. And I gotta be honest, between the World Cup final this morning and the uh, Chiefs-Texans game that we just watched this afternoon, I was not anticipating needing extra time for both of those games. And frankly... The football was a little more enjoyable than the football was today. A rare sight on a Sunday when the Chiefs are, in fact, victorious. Does it feel like 30-24? to Because it doesn't really feel like that to me. But that is the final score, and we will be talking about that game right here on the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show presented by CBD American Shaman. Free CBD samples every day. Yes, truly one of the stranger games you're going to ever see from one team that is a clear Super Bowl contender and from one team whose playoff hopes were essentially shattered by the start of the regular season. So how does the game get to where that one got today? First, I'll say the obvious thing, because in the past I've had people remind me that you shouldn't apologize for losses, or excuse me, you shouldn't apologize for wins in the NFL. Not not any win uh, should ever feel quite like a loss, but we said Last week after Chiefs-Broncos, is it okay to have a moral loss? Like you might have a moral victory in a game you lose. Can you have a moral loss in a game that you've won? I don't think Andy Reid or Patrick Mahomes or anybody on the Chiefs is going to give you that uh, in terms of a, uh, a loss or a win to apologize for. But if somebody wanted to go ahead and, and offer up their, uh, their apologies for some of the stresses in that game, I think at least a few people might be worthy of uh, of offering their condolences. We'll take your calls, 913-3810-810, live on video, but right now looking to get all of that moving on the Sports Radio 810 WHB various feeds. So uh, if you're calling in or leaving comments or whatever it may be, uh, hang tight for a second as we get the ball rolling. Uh, We will get off to a quicker start than the Chiefs did today. That much I feel like I can reasonably offer you. And the place where we stand now is with a football team that just clinched its seventh consecutive division title. And it feels like we're doing a post-game show for a loss. We're not, obviously. Chiefs won this game, clinched the division. They now climb to a respectable division-throttling lead Not just in the AFC West, which again, locked up today, seventh consecutive time. But a spot in the AFC where they remain totally in play for the number one seed in the AFC. If the Bills would have lost to the Dolphins last night, which was pretty close to happening, that game was a lot more fun than this one was because I wasn't quite as invested. The Chiefs would be right back there at the top of the the conference again, first round bye and all that good stuff. You've got to survive with a win. But I hope you'll forgive me for not being super effusive in my praise and in my allocation of style points given out in a game that needed overtime against the first name that will be heard when Roger Goodell goes to the podium here in Kansas City this spring. 
The, the Texans are the, the worst team in football. They, they enter this game 111 and 1, uh, a record that you can render in binary. Just nothing but ones and, I guess, dashes. And I'll be honest, I mean, there are a lot of different places I think you can share some blame and frustration in this game where I think it could all be totally well deserved, totally reasonable, totally valid. But one sort of big-picture concern that I think felt pretty evident is that one team has a one seed to fight for. One team has a number one overall pick that, frankly, they should keep losing so they don't lose their grip on that, although I'm not sure anybody is particularly close to them in the basement right now. And only one of those two teams went out there like they had something to play for today. One team just clinched a division and is looking to get the number one seed back the other is the worst in football and one team looked like they had something to play for and it was the Texans we'll talk about the coaching the execution the some of the choices being made um Andy Reid trusting nobody on this roster more than he trusts Harrison Butker uh, a truly uh <laughs> baffling fact that will that will give us all blood pressure issues if it hasn't already But there were just a whole, and the refereeing was obviously horrendous. Carl Sheffers made his comeback, and, I mean, it was loud. It was, he was all over the place. Got to at least mention that, because it was that kind of game. But I don't know, I mean, I said a lot of this stuff over the course of the week, because I can, because I wasn't going to get hit at any point today. But I expected the Chiefs to at least have the chance in this game To show up, play some solid, if not bland, vanilla football, and just win a football game. I said it had some preseason-ish sort of vibes to it, because that is the level of competition you expect to see the difference between when you have a Super Bowl contender and a number one overall pick contender. So... The gulf there, I think, is understandable. But, I said this as much this week as well, you can't be the Chiefs going out and expecting that because you'll play some uninspired, lifeless football, and before you know it, the worst team in the league is is pushing you to your limits. And it's going to be some time, I think, before we really figure out who to put the, the majority of the blame on there. And as like a preventative measure... I want to start with the defense today because I know how last week's show went. And frankly, I wasn't totally thrilled with where I started the postgame show last week because I think it ended up being a little bit single-minded, whereas by the end of the game, or the end of the postgame show, and certainly by the end of this last week, I feel like I had a little more nuanced angle on what this game actually provided. So I want to talk about the defense first. This is something that uh, Matt Lane, our friend from KC Sports Network, regular guest on The Zone, he, he tweeted this out after the game dropped to, uh, to 14-7. He said, Spags didn't fumble the football, lose contain, get beat one-on-one by a special teamer, get beat one-on-one by a rookie tight end, commit bad PI after being beaten by an average tight end. Later, Matt had to go back to the well, significantly later in the game, third or fourth quarter. 
Spags hasn't left anyone in an awful matchup multiple times. He isn't overly committing to the blitz versus a subpar offensive line that the four-man rush should beat. He isn't playing only soft zones. The only qualm has been the Harris drive, which was brought up. Now I will say, when Darius Harris gets called for a DPI when he's on the field in that spot instead of Willie Gay Jr., that is a coaching thing. Matt says as much. I'm telling you as much. But I just kind of... I just think I'm kind of over the front seven on this team, Chris Jones notwithstanding. And look, I mean, Frank Clark makes a great play at the end of the game. That's huge. And Willie Gay recovers it. Stupendous play. But when you can go wire to wire in a show, in a, in a, in a game, and the most juice you can show it as a front four is like one rep from George Karloftis that everybody loved on Twitter, rightfully so. It was a good rep, but he couldn't finish there. He just kind of runs his guy through. You can see a glimmer of what's to come. But this is at least the second, and maybe this I'm just paying attention. It's been like this for three years. I don't know. This is at least the second game in a row where I feel like the Chiefs defenders, and not just the little guys, but the linebackers in particular, Nick Bolton and Willie Gay, Darius Harris. I'm not going to include Leo Chanel in this for a, an, an uh, anecdotal play I'll mention in a second. But it feels like way too often the front seven knows where the ball carrier is going to be. They wait for the ball carrier to get there. And then when the ball carrier reaches them, they collide. And the Texans or the Broncos last week pick up another two or three yards. It just feels like that happens all the time. Like there is a aggressor, aggressee problem in the Chiefs defense. And you could say maybe that is how they're being directed from the coaching staff, and maybe there is something to be said there. I'm open to it. But late in the game, Leo Chanel did something simply shocking. And I am no Leo Chanel truther. I don't. He should not be on the field in passing situations. He should not be on the field until he has to be right now. I, I believe in his skill set more than I do his current fit in an NFL defense, okay? So this is not me campaigning to, like, bench Nick Bolton and start with Leo Chanel. But he did something when he was called on late in the game that just absolutely blew my mind. It was absolutely shocking. Please make sure you're sitting down. Leo Chanel uh, saw the ball carrier, ran towards the ball carrier, hit the ball carrier, and brought him down right there. It was crazy. Like, totally unexpected. I didn't even know that was still allowed. I didn't, I didn't even know you could do that and not get penalized for it. Now, in this game, maybe you would have gotten, maybe you would have gotten uh, penalized for it because Charles in charge out there. Whew. Another rough refereeing day. To this point, shouldn't be surprising. It's like saying another rough kicking day from Harrison Butker. Really shouldn't be surprised anymore. But it's a deeply frustrating game that the Chiefs win once again. Two wins in a row where they put up really uninspired performances against two pretty crummy teams. And here's, here's my last dismount for, for this, this beginning. And then we'll um, begin taking some calls. We'll bring you uh, pressers from, uh, from Houston. All the good stuff. Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, whoever else the Chiefs bring up. But... If this is just how the Chiefs play against below-average teams and they do enough to win, 
in that world, which I'm not saying we're in, but in that world, it's probably not that big of a deal, right? Like, just if you are able to survive, which there's some randomness there, I don't like this way of living. But if you can just survive in advance every week and you only play down to your competition or whatever it may be, but you still win those games, that's one thing. But they played down to the Colts and lost that game. And really the bigger question becomes, what happens if you just come out flat against the Bengals in the playoffs, the Bills in the playoffs, the Dolphins in the playoffs, anybody in the playoffs? The Chiefs aren't going to get tested by a good team the rest of the way this year. Not, not to say they won't get tested, because they got tested today. But they won't be tested by a playoff team the rest of this season. And so I think the best you can do, if all you're being given is fifth grade tests, but you're trying to you're trying to write your thesis in a couple of months, but all you're getting is some scantrons that got yanked out of an elementary school classroom, I would at least hope that you perform pretty well in the fifth grade scantrons. Do they still use scantrons? I would like to believe that great teams can try to make some of this look a little easier. Not just for style points or just because I say so, but because if that coin toss goes differently, I mean, the Texans offense still I don't think is terribly good. And obviously both teams got the ball. But like we're talking about a a great punch out from Frank Clark and a miracle recovery where Willie Gay pulled the ball out like he was delivering a baby from whoever it was that, that had the ball in the pile there. You had guys make great plays to win the game and to keep it alive. But it was not a lot of fun from point A to point B. And I think it's reasonable if you say you played poorly against a bad football team and barely won. Therefore, I have some questions about what you're bringing to this to the table this this offseason this or this this postseason the rest of this year. Maybe it all washes out cuz it doesn't hurt you in the standings and you don't need to play your best football until you're playing your best opponents. Maybe there's a world in which that's true. But it would have been a lot easier to just win this game by just by two touchdowns. Some of that's on Andy Reid and fourth down calls. Sometimes that's on, you know, Patrick Mahomes missing a shot to MVS that would have blown the game open a lot earlier. Maybe that would have changed everything. Plenty of places where guys could have been better. Not that many places where it feels like it could have been worse. If this would have been a three interception game for Patrick Mahomes, they lose. So that part was better. The Texans were scoring off turnovers. And then the defense, once again, like last week, put in some bad positions, also did not stop the bleeding, in this case, until the very end when they did. Offense that looked congested. A team that came out looking pretty flat. A coaching staff that didn't exactly put out its best work today. It's a frustrating victory. A frustrating, hear me out, way for the Chiefs to clinch their seventh consecutive AFC West. Like, that is an unbelievable thing. And yet, here we are, wondering if this Chiefs team is really good enough, or why this keeps happening against subpar opponents. It's a winding riddle that we'll continue to try to solve over time. We'll let you put your best guesses in as we go. First up, we go to the phones with Travis. Travis, you're on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Travis, break it down for me. So, what's up, Briscoe? So, 
I'm going to be honest, my confidence in this team is completely gone. Mm. Um, I think that they'll, obviously, they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to win the West. But, I mean, do we really think that this team, that this, is, that this defense is going to be able to stop Josh Allen, um, Joe Burrow, um, even Tua at this point? I mean, Davis Mills just, I mean, yeah, I know he didn't have a ton of yardage, but he kept drives alive mm-hmm. um, with no with no weapons. Um one thing before I get to the coaching on the fumble, I mean Pacheco's got to hang on to the ball, but I don't know if anybody nobody's posted anything. Andrew Wiley literally was standing over the ball; he literally kicked it. Didn't see and that live. Re- refused to pick it up, but zero awareness. Didn't care. Uh, multiple times I caught Orlando Brown um, as the defenders are running; he's just lollygagging it, jogging. I mean, it go- to me it boils down to coaching. This team is poorly coached. Andy Reid's a great play caller, but right now this team is poorly coached. They look like a team that's playing with a bunch of, of, of arrogance um, that Patch is going to bail them out, and that's how they play. I don't know if they're coached like that, but offensively, defensively, they look flat. They're unprepared. They have no fire. That's coaching. And I know that the players got to get themselves up, but the, the, the coaches are responsible for, for getting that out of them. I think that it might be time – to bring some fresh faces in next year, offensively and defensively. I think Bienemy and Spagnolo have been here too long. Uh, and here's my thing: if it's if to respond to the text that you quoted earlier, if it's not the coaches, then people need to start jumping on uh, on Brett Beach. And I know in the, the slogan here in town is "In Beach We Trust." <laughs> if it's not the coaches, then it's Beach getting not not getting the right players for the coaches. It's one of the two things. It can't be one and not the other. Yeah. I don't think that these players are bad. I don't, I don't think that the defensive players are bad. But they sure as hell don't play like they care on either side of the ball. And to me, that's, that, that's coaching. So I will, uh, I will uh, let you go. Um, yeah, my, my confidence is 100% shot. I don't think that they go very far in the playoffs playing like this. So, Travis, so I, I appreciate you. There's some good stuff in there that I want to break down. Um, I, I I kind of floated this out a couple of times last week on the zone. We never really uh, never really had time to like fully unpack it. So here's here's the question that I've been fiddling around with for for the last week. Because I think I think that point there is a pretty reasonable one. Hey, if, is is the coaching bad? Are the players bad? If the players are bad, does not does that not reflect on the general manager? Here's the question I would ask you. And I think the truth is that there's a little bit of blame to go around to everybody for this team not being as good as it should be, being the fact that it's quarterbacked by the most valuable player in football. Obviously, you say, hey, we're fighting a, we're fighting a roster that's 11-3 and on the year. Why are we fighting the roster? Well, because they're quarterbacked by Patrick Mahomes. We, we all see it, right? Everyone sees that? Here's what I would ask you. How many positions on this team do you think are above NFL average? How many position groups? You got the quarterback, and there are, you know, that's technically a depth chart, but it's really about one guy across the board, even though the Texans made two work today. If you want to give Veach credit for Mahomes, like he could, you know, he can drink for free off that for the rest of time. But how many position groups does this team have that is better than your average NFL team? Now, I'm asking you to compare that against the rest of the league, and none of us are paying as close attention to the rest of the league as we are to this team. Tight end group is great. Travis Kelsey obviously predates Veach, but you know they've kept him around. I'm willing. I'm willing to give some credit for that. That's okay. 
Travis Kelsey's uh, maybe the greatest of all time. Noah Gray, I really believe in as like the the second guy behind Kelsey, and we'll see how he evolves over the next remainder of his career. Uh, Jody Fortson is obviously my you know is my favorite, uh, at least for for where he fits in the depth chart. And then Blake Bell got hurt, but like that depth chart was good, really good, top to bottom. I think the running back group is pretty good, not counting the first round pick that they spent on Clyde. Just just Pacheco McKinnon as your one two, whoever your three is. Pretty good, but maybe just maybe just NFL average. Chris Jones predates Brett Veach, but they kept him around. Chris Jones is an elite player. But the rest of that defensive line is subpar, even with Chris Jones there. The wide receivers are a group of guys. I think they're a pretty good group. I think they can win a Super Bowl with this group, but that's largely about who your quarterback is. They've invested a lot in their offensive line as a unit and it's not good enough for what they've invested in it. It's something that Mahomes is surviving, not something that he's just like putting on a picnic blanket in the backfield and waiting for guys to come open. That just has not that has not happened for this offensive line. They spent second round picks on linebackers in back-to-back drafts. And that group isn't good enough. Maybe it's NFL average. You could say it's a little NFL above average if you wanted to show me the rest of the depth charts and say, hey, here's the logic there. But we're really talking about two, not three, linebackers. And then Darius Harris and Leo Chanel and, I don't know, chalk going up to a maybe, depending on how much you like Nick Bolton, I guess. The coaching staff's done a good job with the corners because they have not invested very much in that position group until Trent McDuffie, and they've gotten great production out of those guys for the most part, but they're young, and they've gotten picked on a few times, learning experience ongoing, etc. Juan Thornhill and Justin Reed, second-round draft pick and a big free agent signing. You could, you could really go position by position through this team, and, and that's the question I would ask, is that if this, if this team, and you can't always build this way, but for the sake of the of the conversation. If this team was quarterbacked by Kirk Cousins, much less Davis Mills, what would they look like? They might look like Andy Reid's Eagles at times. I mean, I, I think that the coaching staff would do plenty to still make this a pretty good team. But But replace Patrick Mahomes with an average NFL starting quarterback. Or take Mahomes off this roster and go put him on some average team. Swap quarterbacks with a team that has an okay quarterback but a pretty good roster around him. What what would be better? Here's a funny, funny, funny question that's not going to make anybody happy but makes me kind of laugh. What team would be better? Jared Goff's Chiefs or Patrick Mahomes' Lions? God forbid the Jets or something. That one's easy. Right? If Patrick Mahomes was the Jets quarterback and the, the Chiefs had Mike White and Zach Wilson, they still might be about where the Giant, where the Jets are at, which is like fighting for playoff positioning. But this roster has great players on it without being a great roster, as I think is kind of where I'm settled right now. I also think Veach's drafts have gotten better. I think their recalibrations on their acquisitions have gotten better. I'm not on some, like, fire Brett Veach uh, uh, parade by any means. But I'm glad that we at least had a reason to bring that up here today because 
That one's been percolating for uh, for a week or so for me. And I at least think that if you're going to administration for who to blame, if you're going to coaches or roster building, at least spread it out a little bit and acknowledge that nobody, no one out here for the Chiefs is is putting up their best performance. I think that extends to coaches and GMs and players and pretty much everybody except for Jarek McKinnon, who can who can absolutely do no wrong. Uh, next up here we got Ryan. Ryan, you're on the post game show. What's up, Ryan? Ryan, you got us? We'll say Ryan comes back around. We'll go to Butch next. Butch, you're on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Butch, you got us. All right, gentlemen. How about those Chiefs? How about them, Butch? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. Man, did you really think he'd be at this point in the season where the team <laughs> on T-shirt and a hat day uh, in 11-3, you're talking about all the reasons why you don't want to be happy for him. I mean, I didn't see, I didn't see that coming at the beginning of the year. Look, all right, let me say this and get out of the way. You've probably heard me talk about in the past the way that the Chiefs kind of coach this team and call these games in a position like they believe they're a lot better than what they really are, mm-hmm. and like they're like the 2019-2020 team. Mm-hmm. This is more. This is less so. And by that, let me just clarify what I mean. This isn't necessarily about what the call sheet is on offense or even the way that Spax chooses to call his defense. I, I think they go along on a play-by-play basis, and they, and they do really a great job, in my opinion. Um, wh- what I meant by that was in these sort of decision-making within the game, mm. they will try to call the game as if they say to themselves, hey, we're going to need the defense to make that one stop in the playoffs, or hey, Harrison Bucker, we're going to need you to make this one kick in the playoffs. Let's put them in that situation right now. See if you can make, and and I'm at that point where I'm like, guys, you're just not, you're not that right now. There's only so many portions of your team that you can rely on to help you win games, and it's the offense. That's it. That's the one consistent, constant part that helps you win games. Yep. So in my opinion, I say lean into it. You're at this point where where you might have to think to yourself, we really need to lean into our offense. Fourth and short, third and short end-of-game situations, what more can we do to keep the ball in the hands of Patrick Mahomes? Maximize our possessions as much as possible, because anything outside of that, you're probably looking at losing to teams uh, that are better, obviously better than what you face in the Houston Texans. I guess that's what I wanted to clarify there. And then lastly, I'll say this last part, and I'll get the heck up out of here. All right, The Chiefs are at a point as well with this roster where they'll have to say to themselves, it is are we fostering an environment of competition up and down the roster? The best teams in the league, they have that competition. They have guys who aren't on their roster anymore that can go with some other teams and they can go play. Mm-hmm. Right now, for the Chiefs, I think there's maybe you have the starters, and then on, on, outside of that, I, I'm not sure how many of these guys I would even put on a roster and say, hey, I can consider, count on you to be a consistent piece of, of winning formula football. So two situations that I'll be looking out for going into the end of the season. I'm happy for them. Has T-shirt day. Enjoy it. Keep your eyes peeled for how they respond going into the week's board and into the playoffs because that's going to tell us a lot about who wants to be here in the future. Favorite flavor. Butch, appreciate it as always. I could have reached through the phone and just given you a, a, a loving embrace on leaning into the offense. I, I love that. Third and fourth and short, 
especially late in the game. Anytime you have a chance to keep the ball in the hands of Patrick Mahomes, that is a good thing. I think you're right. I wonder if 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 Andy Reid just told Spags to get to get a little crazy with it in the postseason, just lean into all of that and say, hey, we maybe we we play this high flying style of offense and understand that our defense is going to go for broke as opposed to going for sort of mid tier. I I I have a hard time envisioning that not largely benefiting this Chiefs team at this point. How could it not? Run everything through Patrick Mahomes. Build your build your game plans as if you have the best player in football behind center. Because you do. I I, I would like that philosophical adjustment there. Um, and I wonder if that would lead to anything different for the defense. If, if the whole team is playing like they know they're going to get bailed out by Patrick Mahomes. Or if the whole team should play as if it's going to end up falling on Mahomes' shoulders. We, we saw this today. We, we, we've, we are very aware of this by this point, I think. But we have seen the value and the cost of turnovers, both losing them and adding them. When you give a, even a bad team like the Broncos or Texans a chance at a short field, most professional football teams are going to make you pay for that. If you can get a turnover and then give the ball to Patrick Mahomes, you certainly expect the Chiefs to make you pay for that. I would love for the turnover game to start... Uh, coming into full view for this Chiefs defense. Next up, we got Gary. Gary, you're on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Make me feel better, Gary. Hey, what's up, guys? Just want to say, after watching that game today, the last two weeks, against the Steve Spagnuolo defense, you're never out of a game, and (laughs) they kept him in the game today. But the offense, you can just chalk it up to stupid plays. You can't fumble the football. That's five bad fumbles in the last three games. Oh, five bad turnovers. Mahomes with the three INTs last week. Kelsey's fumble in Cincinnati. Pacheco's fumble today. Smith Schuster's fumble today. All the wounds offensively are self-inflicted. And when you're self-inflicted, that means those things can be corrected. But when you look at this football team, you got to look at Andy Reid. You know, you want to get on Beach and that, but Beach isn't going anywhere. That's Andy's guy. Mm-hmm. That's true. Apparently, Andy has a very strength. Andy has a stranglehold over your organization, and I'm trying to figure out why. Yeah, you got you got one ring. Whoopee. Get another one, then we'll start talking. But, you know, the defense, too, today was put in some bad situations, but that wasn't the 99 Rams they were playing against. And yeah. they, I mean, Spagnuolo should just wear a clown suit on Sundays because he's an embarrassment to the profession. I mean, just just the scheme is so outdated. It's, it's designed to do one thing, get to the quarterback. Well, teams run the football. I guess that we don't have to worry about that. But if you look at this defense, one of the biggest things lacking is just there's no alpha on that defense. Somebody that just somebody that just go up and put their index finger and their middle finger in your chest and tell you to do your job. This defense doesn't have an alpha. They've got a lot of prima donnas, but no alpha. Chris Jones should be that guy, but he was too busy arguing with Joe Cullen on the sideline, and I really don't know if he should have played today. I don't think he was in good health anyway, and I think that kind of played into his day-to-day. But And then another thing, too, and Tony on the last caller, there are, there are some guys screaming right now that they don't want to be here. Harrison Butker, he does not want to be here. He is screaming that with his performance. Juan Thornhill is screaming he doesn't want to be here. Steve Spagnuolo is screaming he doesn't want to be here. I mean, you look at that offense, you've got three elite players, your quarterback, your center, and your tight end. 
Defensively, you've got one, and that's the guy up front, but you can't expect him to do all the heavy lifting. Somebody's got to come up and work their contract, i.e. Frank Clark. But when there's no accountability in that locker room, and I don't know what goes on in that locker room, but you know everybody talks about Andy runs a tough training camp. When you watch this football team play, they're not physical. They don't – I mean, the Texans were physical today against us. They were hitting us. They were pile-driving us. You don't see a Chiefs – the Chiefs defenders might as well just act like they're in a bullfight and just wave a red flag when the running back goes by. You never see them hit the guy head-on. It's we got to go to an angle and hit them low. Nail the guy. Nick Bolton, if you're the hammer looking for the nail, nail him. But you don't see this defense do that, and – it's, and that's Spagnolo too. Spagnolo looks more like your high school accounting teacher than he does a defensive coordinator. But you know, but it's all on Andy because Spagnolo was Andy's guy. Veach is Andy's guy. He is the one that has to wear this, and he's the one that won't because Clark Hunt's not going to do anything to him because he's content with the ring. But he's going to be the one that's going to have to go to Andy and say, "We're making a change at defensive coordinator. You're not going to have a say in this guy because we don't want any more of your friends." We're going to pick the guy. If you don't like it, TDB. I'll hang up and listen. Great show. Gary, appreciate it as always. Gary's always good for like a handful of good points, a, a couple of Gary-level heat checks, and then kind of brings it back again. So I can't I can't say I'm with you every step of that, Gary, but I, I think that there's a lot in there that, um, yeah, I, I don't know how you could look at this and not be frustrated by specifically, when I'm, I'm sticking to the roster conversation, when you say, hey, there's an elite quarterback, perhaps center. That's I'm, I'm, You're willing to give it to him. I'm saying he's on that path. He's been very good. But, but you have a quarterback, a tight end, and a center on offense, and one defensive tackle on defense, and the rest of your the rest of your roster is is not. There aren't very many blue chip players, and there at least aren't enough to account for the fact that there aren't enough above average players. That makes sense. You can be the Bengals defense built with above average players and be pretty good. And right now, I think the Chiefs have guys who have simply not lived up to the standards that they were hoping that would be set when they were brought here. You can say that's misevaluation on Veach. You can say that's underperforming by the player. You want to put some of that on coaching. I think there's room for it. Uh, but ultimately, it Gar- Gary's got his got his general sort of uh, uh, I'll say Eeyore kind of energy most of the time. I understand that. But I think that's a pretty fair little snapshot of where Chiefs fans are standing after clinching their seventh consecutive AFC West. Like what a what a wild time. Uh, let's take. Uh, let me try Ryan one more time here, and then we need to uh, take a timeout. We'll hear from Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Clark Hunt, and uh, hopefully some players from the podium as well. But Ryan, you're up next. Give another go, Ryan. You got us. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, um, Gary, um, of course. Yeah. Um, the Eeyore thing. It's, it's, it always comes down. Uh, wasn't a great game. No, we won. Um, but I, I don't understand. Why we don't come out and run a little bit earlier than we do? Um, if if it calls for, and we call, talked about it last week, Josh. Like if it's one of the worst rush defenses, like why is it not like see how it is, test it, and then go from there? And I think once they started rushing the ball, it opened up other things. Um, I'm saying rush it all the time. Uh, our, our receivers, I, I, I love Juju. I think he's playing more, you know, like a more middle, in, in the middle. He's kind of bigger. Um, uh, MBS needs to catch the ball more. Uh, McColl, when he comes back, uh, that's going to be a big one. I mean, he's been yeah. here forever. 
Uh, I think we need some more thumpers on defense. We, we we do obviously need some more thumpers, like um, where, where we usually have two linebackers out there, Willie Gay and um, uh, uh, Nick Bolton. Mm-hmm. We, we need more thumpers. Uh, the young secondary, as always, I'm fine with that. I think people get down so quickly. I'm, I know it was a bad game, but everybody's getting paid millions of dollars to play on both sides. And it's hard to win the NFL. Uh, I'm glad to come out with a win. But I don't know. Just stay positive. I think we're still the Super Bowl contender out of the AFC. Now, is it going to be easy? No. But we've been there before. We never give up. And uh, that's a that's a big thing. And I think we have an awesome culture. Uh, I think I heard somebody say that um, earlier. Uh, maybe not, but I think uh, winning, winning culture. I still think, yeah, one of these days, like we were talking last week, there is going to be Patrick's going to be in the pitch, uh, picking the next head coach. And I, when that happens, I don't know. Um, I don't think they had any horrible play calls today. But turnovers got to stop. I, I don't think I've seen as many as I have, in the, you know, ever, that we have in the previous years. But in all honesty, like we could be in, we almost were in first place uh, because of a Buffalo win yesterday by a field goal. I mean, in all honesty, so keep it real. I, I wouldn't change the team for anything. Um, I wouldn't. But anyway, appreciate. It. Hey, I won the cat, the uh, green cattle company thing a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I still haven't gotten a phone call. I'm now saying this is the second weekend in a row I've had a call about it. I want my dang tomahawk ch- uh, steak. Okay. We'll so, we'll round up beards and try to make sure that all that all that gets uh, gets sorted out. We, we we don't want you to have any uh, permanently grounded beef. So I, I I think everyone's got your info. So we'll we'll work on it, and you'll uh, hopefully that will uh, will continue to increase the mood after some frustrating Chiefs football. Appreciate it, Ryan. As always, uh, I like to get Ryan and Gary back to back when we can. It it feels like it really helps run the gamut of how people might be feeling after a game like this. And then maybe there's some space in all those gaps in between. Appreciate everyone who's called in so far. 913-3810-810. We'll take some more calls in a little bit as well. Plus, pressers from Houston. Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Clark Hunt always speaks after the AFC West. It gets clinched up. And uh, Drake, and as long as there's nobody like en route to the podium right now, we'll take a quick timeout. Looks good to me. We will do just that then. The Chiefs are victorious, although you wouldn't know it by the way that it felt like it went over the course of that 30-24 to victory. This is the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. And hey, I have some good news. Because when Kansas City scores, you score big at your local CBD American Shaman. Our team score is your percent off. And they scored 30 points today. Shout out to Overtime. So you get 30% off all day tomorrow on orders of $100 or more. That's it. CBD American Shaman. Life is better with the feather. Mahomes blocked by McKinnon to the end zone. What a grab! Touchdown! Sensational! Scantling! An incredible touchdown there, and that is our Andy's sweet play of the game, brought to you by Andy's Frozen Custard. Shop by any, stop by, and shop by any KC location for Travis Kelsey's 87 and running concrete and help raise money for this worthy cause. 87 and running and Andy's Frozen Custard, the perfect option play for KC fans everywhere. The offense had its moments of excellence over the course of this game, ultimately 30 points 
but requiring overtime to add those final six. 24-24 with the Texans at the end of regulation. Plenty to be frustrated by. Plenty to celebrate on the day the Chiefs win their their seventh consecutive AFC West. A truly tremendous streak, but one that does sort of feel like it's under a little bit of a gray cloud hanging in the sky because this was the Texans. This wasn't supposed to be this difficult. So we've been able to run the gamut of emotions here as we go from, um, you know, Maybe you're thinking you want to buy a hat, although I imagine most Chiefs fans are hoping to have some conference and NFL materials to be purchasing in the near future. That's the life of a Chiefs fan right now. Uh, And maybe you're saying, I don't want to touch one of those AFC West hats because you've got bigger goals. Or also, you just don't think this team's going to be that good at any point, making it that long, that deep into any playoff run. Ultimately, the Chiefs still stand amongst the top two in the AFC, and that's what makes this sport as chaotic and fun as it is. Meanwhile, um, the Bengals are currently down 3 nothing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What does that mean? I have no idea. We'll all find out together as the league continues to be wild. The Texans gave the Cowboys a scare last week as well, but doesn't feel uh, doesn't feel great from the Chiefs' side, even in a, a six-point victory because of the way it came around. We'll hear from Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Clark Hunt, and Jarek McKinnon. Meanwhile, we'll continue working through the phones because there's plenty to talk about here. Dan is up next on Sports Radio 810. I almost said Sports Radio 8, Dan, but you know what? Right now it is. Dan, what's on your mind? Hey, Joshua, how you doing? It was a great way to pull the game out. I'm here with my nephew, John Walter, at the Legends. It's my birthday tomorrow, so he took me out. He threw me to a blind ball barbecue. I saw the Texans tied to the windfall. And then when I went to the restaurant, I heard a big big roar, and I knew the Chiefs did it, and we pulled it out 30-24. It's still got to get it. Get clean the turnovers and Buckter. He'll, he'll get together on the extra point. And he said he had some steak for me, Joshua. Yes, you're, I think you're on. I think you're on the list also. I don't know if uh, I don't know where Beards is at in the in the beef planning side of things. But uh, if 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 Beards didn't get your info last week, Dan, please make sure that the Drake gets it here real quick um, from last. I think Beards said he got Dan's info. Uh, but we're just giving we're just giving beef out left and right here on the Sports Radio 810 WHB Post Game Show. Dan, uh, appreciate it as always, my friend. Always good to have you uh, in on the mix. Let's keep it moving while we got some callers on the line. Next up, we got Paul. Paul, you're on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Paul, what you got? Hey, I'm going to make you feel good. You don't live in Dallas. If your quarter of a billion dollar quarterback didn't throw a pick six in overtime, feel good to get the name in on that one. <laughs> so I'm, I'm ecstatic about that. That my quarter billion dollar of a quarterback didn't throw a pick six. So I can't wait for the national media to hit big old Jerry Jones and them guys up. But uh, one thing about. Uh, it's amazing how you got a quarter billion dollar quarterback that's playing at an elite level and a kicker, the third rail, <laughs> special team. He can't control that. He, it's frustrating. Yeah. And uh, an extra point in the field goal. I mean, you can see Mahomes' face. He did. He did what smile. He could tell. He just wasn't feeling it. And I think he knew he was going to overtime. But um, <clears throat> one thing before I get off, Josh, is uh, there's a beast out in the east, led by a general out there. And I said that before. And we got to put everything we got to meeting that beast, and we're probably going to go upstate New York. Mm. Um, and we really got to look ahead. Those guys in that in that Arrowhead one Arrowhead Drive, they better have a command center and start planning for that army over there uh, mm. going up in that Bills Mafia. That that's what I'm saying. I know you get one game at a time. I got that, but that that beast out there taking care of Miami yesterday like that, yeah. uh, he, he's special out there. 
Yeah, Paul, I think you're right. And also, I appreciate you the, uh, providing the overtime perspective, man, because I saw that the Jags won this game in overtime over the Cowboys. I did not see how it ended. What I see right here on the simple uh, ESPN box score is Rayshon Jenkins' 52-yard interception return touchdown for the Jags in overtime. So that's the uh, the very expensive quarterback down in Dallas, that team that almost lost to the Texans last week, did lose to the Jags, who put up 40. I saw people losing their minds about uh, Trevor Lawrence throughout the game, but these noon games are hard to keep an eye on as an NFL fan uh, when the Chiefs are playing in the early window. I, I really don't know what happened in most of the league so far today, uh, but that, you know, we had that game yesterday. And you're right, again, that, that I think that ultimately it's going to end up coming down to Buffalo. And it's kind of funny because there's no reason we have to all take it one game at a time. Like, we don't actually decide if the Chiefs are winning or losing any of these games. I'm not getting hit, and I'm also not doing the game planning. If I was, you know, the Chiefs have forgotten to call me for a while. But ultimately, I think the Chiefs seem to play better against better opponents. Maybe it's sleepwalking. Maybe it's not going one game at a time. Maybe it's a total coincidence. But I'm looking ahead to the playoff run. Maybe the Chiefs have been as well. Uh, regardless, though, it's it's a, a weird, weird game. And thank you for the perspective once more that this game didn't end with a Dak Prescott pick six, which is how it ended in Dallas today. I, again, don't know exactly how that ended up unfolding. I just know it was madness from what I've seen on Twitter and now looking at, uh, at how this game actually wrapped up. Could have been worse. Also, if you need any more reminding of that, Go back to the Colts game. The AFC South has given the Chiefs some stressy ones so far this year. I'm Joshua Briscoe here on the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show on Sports Radio 810 WHB Kansas City. The Drake on the other side of the glass. His beards is out today. Dylan Michaels producing around the building as well. Still to hear from Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Clark Hunt, and Jarek McKinnon coming up in today's show. You guys keep filling out the phone lines also, so I guess we'll keep chugging through those uh, because there was a lot to talk about in a, in a win that didn't feel like that much of a victory. Uh, next up, we go to Mike. Mike, you're on Sports Radio 810 WHP. What are you thinking, Mike? The premise on, on the roster. I, I'm going to agree with you. Here, here's my thing. The last two weeks, Spags, my problem with Spags is he is not adjusting to the tenor of the game. We've had an issue with Sheffer's crew going back to when they were here in Kansas City. It was evident that they were calling every little tic-tac play. So it doesn't make any sense when they're third and eight, third and nine, third and ten, putting them in press man, either one or two high press man, where you are allowing subjective holding calls, subjective pass interference calls. Mm. That has been my biggest problem with Spags. If you go from the premise that we don't have the talent and we don't have the players, then you have to get more exotic on the back end. Mm. I see he tried to play a little bit of zone, but the problem is, when you don't play zone that much, you're not going to be very good at it. My problem with Spags has always been we do not game plan to take away a team's weaknesses. We are going to run our stuff, and you are going to have to beat us, press man. Our playoff future solely depends on which refereeing crew we have. If we have a crew like we had today, we'll lose in the first round. If we have a crew that's not calling that as much, we're going to have some success. That has been my problem with Spags. If, you, if you're going to go from the premise where you say we don't have the talent, then – you have to do something with the talent that's on the field. And that's not playing press man, third and long, against teams, giving those back judges the chance to make subjective calls when we don't get pressure. 
I'll listen off the air. Mike, stay on the line for me, please, so Drake can get your info. Stick on hold for just a second, uh, because I think that is an excellent synthesis of both sides of of how you can spread the blame on this one. I, I think you can say this roster is not as good as what has been invested in it should have produced by now, but also, once you have gotten to a point where that issue is is evident... Can your coaching staff adjust to maximize the talent it does have and to minimize the harm that can be done against your weaknesses? I think if you're going to bring the the Spags critique to the table, that's the way that I would that I would do it. When I said at the beginning, I think it can be a little bit of all of these things. I think it can be I think it can be coaching for what you just mentioned. It can be the roster, it can be Veach for what we already talked about. And I think it can also be, hey, Juan Thornhill and Nick Bolton have had a bad stretch of games. They might be banged up. They might be unfocused. What? And I think it's very unlikely that they're just like on a different planet. But I really do think you have to be able to spread it out a little bit. And I think itemizing it that way is genuinely helpful. Because, yeah, any defensive coordinator worth their salt would be able to produce a good defense if you had 11 Micah Parsons clubs. Even, I'm not kidding. If you had to play all 11, I think it would work. But what can you do with what you have, and then how can you adjust once you realize what you have? I, I, I can't remember exactly what he was saying about it last year. Maybe even this offseason. But Spags has talked a little bit about sort of that process of learning what you've got and then bringing kind of round two of what the defense looks like after that point. They should be past that point this year. I know they're playing a lot of rookies, but most of them are those corners that, as we've talked about for the most part, I'm not that interested in telling you that Joshua Williams or Jalen Watson needs to be quote-unquote just better. I think they're in the situations they've been put in and they've performed pretty well in those spots. I can live with that. They should get better as they go because in in NFL rules, they're toddlers playing corner. They just got here and have been thrust into that spot without being highly touted draft picks. Trent McDuffie's a little bit of both for me. I He's been certainly good enough for me to have no, no real critiques to, to fight with him. The one other thing I would say Spag's defenses are supposed to do is, this came up earlier also, is get pressure and and get exotic pressure when that is how it needs to be. I think this scheme has been let down by its front four. And not that they haven't made individual plays, but because they haven't done much with any consistency outside of Chris Jones. And he was sick. He was limited on Friday. We saw him drinking out of what appeared to be a glass bottle on the sideline. I don't know if he was cracking the top off some San Pellegrino. That seems sort of strange, but it could have been some sort of electrolyte, mineral sort of, you know, recovery thing. Look at a green glass bottle, which was just, just sort of odd. You've got one guy on that defense, on that on that defensive line, really just who can bring pressure consistently. If you want to make it even in the exotic blitzes or the skill sets you've got. Now again, this isn't really a Spags defense to say if he had Micah Parsons and Chris Jones, that, that defense would be a lot better. Yeah, of course, I would hope so. I'm just kind of trying to understand where there are issues. And I think the truth is there are a lot of medium-sized issues in a lot of different places isn't very satisfying to accept that, but I think it's the closest thing to the truth, which means it's a years-long process to get it quite right. And you can't take a step backwards if you change coordinators. You can't take a step backward if you try drafting linebackers again. 
this is the evolution. Somebody earlier also, and then we'll go back to the phones, mentioned that this defense needs Ryan said this defense needs more thumpers. I agree with that in some concept, but what I would what I would offer is that frequently in the NFL, speed and thumping are directly opposed in terms of the skill set you bring. You can be a thumper or you can be quick and good in coverage and all of that. If this defense needs more thumpers, that reflects pretty poorly on Nick Bolton. And frankly, Willie Gay to some extent. Willie Gay is a great athlete, and Nick Bolton is a thumper. My question is that if you have more thumpers, does that mean now all of a sudden you're getting eaten up in the flats constantly? That you're you're totally lost for coverage ideas in the middle of the defense? That's not even really a disagreement with the thumper thing. I would love for this defense to have more thumpers, who also run 4-440s. <laughs> And I know this is the third time now that I've already mentioned Michael Parsons in this segment. But unless you find him, it's really hard to be both. Not impossible. Those guys do exist. But a lot of those guys are Hall of Famers, as opposed to picking and choosing your strengths and weaknesses. Frankly, it's why I wouldn't draft a pure thumper in the second round, right? Like, that's that's not sour grapes. It's just sort of where the where the roster construction comes from. And if you say, hey, this defense needs more thumpers alongside Nick Bolton, that's fine. But when you begin to recognize the weaknesses that can come with that, it at least gets a little less exciting to envision that future. Next up, we got Bo. Bo, you're on Sports Radio 810 WHB. What's up, Bo? Bo, you got us? B-O? Dwayne Bo. B-O-W-E. We'll come back. Uh, then we uh, will try Scott. Scott, you're on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Scott, you got us? Yeah. Hey, what's up, Scott? How are you? I'm, I'm doing all right, all things considered. How about you? Well, good. Uh, I'm celebrating the uh, the uh, AFC West Championship, and and it sounds like uh, a lot of people, and maybe even yourself, did you did you have money on the Chiefs covering that? that no, 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 no. I, and I didn't want any part of that from, from Monday on. Good, because I think for a lot of people, I think it just ruins. It just ruins the game. I would never do. I would never gamble on the Chiefs. Yeah. Could ruin it. You yeah. Know? Uh, no, I, I. I think uh, you had a good point about trusting Mahomes uh, when it comes to crunch time. But remember, in overtime, the offense punted. Yeah. So I mean, that was a team uh, effort. I mean, the whole team is responsible for how we got to overtime with the lowly Texans and how we damn near lost it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, every coach and every player. Mahomes actually carried – I mean, if it wasn't for Mahomes, we definitely would have lost that game. Yep. I, I agree with you 100%, Scott. And I think it's a, a good thing to, to mention that much like these other frustrating games, everybody gets a piece of this one and – that that's why I think it's so complicated and can be so frustrating. Is it's not a, there's no silver bullet to to totally respark this this team, and they ultimately they did enough to win the division. It's a weird it's a weird game that we love. Yeah, yeah, they're I think they're going to do fine. Actually, I've I've got a lot of confidence in this team, and I like all the coaches too. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, I I appreciate it, Scott. Somebody out here ought to be celebrating the uh, the seventh consecutive AFC West. It just came in such a weird feeling game that uh, I also understand if you're a little conflicted about all those feelings. Let's keep it moving here. We'll try Sean up next. Sean, you're on the eight ten post game show. What's up, Sean? Hey, bud, how you doing? Good. Hey, how are you? I'm, I'm 
I'm just kind of dumbfounded <laughs> on how this game came this close and went to overtime. So I was looking at the stats. So we led in total yards, 502 total yards to the Texans, 219. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Pass, passing yards, 313 to their 125. <laughs> Rushing, 189 to their 94. Yards per play, 6.6 to their 3.8. Mm-hmm. First downs, 33 to 18. Uh, 76 total plays to their 58. What killed us was the penalties. Yep. Um, time of possession, we dominated 37 uh, 22 to their 27.25. But, again, it, it came down to the defense. Obviously, they weren't able to stop them. And, you know, the Texans were driving the ball pretty effectively. My thing is is that going into the postseason, um, who fears the Chiefs? Who's going to fear the Chiefs with this defense? Patrick Mahomes, we all know he's he's a great quarterback. But, Realistically, who's who fears the Chiefs with this defense coming into Arrowhead or on the road? If we have to go on the road, who is going to fear this team? Because this defense, this I, I understand it's a young secondary, but I mean, no nobody is really fearing this defense. Yeah. This defense is it, we don't put the fear in nobody's heart. Right. And for Mills to do what he did today, I mean, he only had a hundred something yards, but. Still, he was throwing the ball effectively a little bit. If it wasn't for the uh, turnover in overtime, I mean, who knows what what would have happened? I mean, they they were driving the ball. And he had a good run, and he turned it over, and we got the ball back. But I mean, who's going to fear this defense? That's that's my concerns. Sean, it's a good question. I appreciate the call. I think the closest answer I could give you is that I do think the Bills are going to give the Chiefs all the respect that they've earned in the past, regardless of how they finish this regular season. But I am more nervous about other defenses in the NFL than I would be about the Chiefs. Almost every defense in the playoffs, I think. Uh, here, here's one like brief offering I'll make on what the defense ultimately ended up doing. The third defensive drive, the, te- the Texans just came out and chugged along. That was bad. The fifth defensive drive was the short field Davis Mills touchdown run after the Pacheco fumble. That drive is on Pacheco just as much as it's on the defense, if not more so. I love Isaiah Pacheco. I'm, I think he, he should have gotten more work earlier in this game than he actually did. But that one's on the the defense got to tackle. Davis Mills, please don't hear me. Don't hear me forgive that play. That play was obscene. But the Chiefs defense put in a terrible spot there. And then on the eighth defensive drive, when the te- Texans went on and scored a touchdown, they started at the Chiefs' 49-yard line. And that drive, going back to that last point from Sean, that drive was kept alive by penalties. Now, some of those were, were penalties, and some of them were creative, if you wanted to call them. But the difference in this game really was not just 102 to 33 which was the total p- penalty yards accepted against each team. The Chiefs were, uh, were, were given up 102 penalty yards. The Texans gave up 33 on four penalties. It was also the timing of those penalties. Oftentimes, they were, they were keeping a, a Texans drive alive. And uh, yes, Carl Sheffers, I think, is the worst referee in football, and he has really made a strong claim for that this season. He has pushed for that with authority, and at least somebody out there wants to be great. You know, I respect that. He wants, he wants that, that crown, and by God, he's earning it. But I do think that the defense is a little 
please hear me say this with all of the all of the confidence of I don't know me uh, of standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon and looking over. I think the Chiefs' defense is a little bit better than they will have been remembered last week and this week because they were not good enough to escape some bad situations that the offense put them in. A great defense will get you out of those. A good defense will get you out of those every once in a while. An average defense might not. A bad defense won't. I think the Chiefs are probably a below-average defense that has looked like the worst defense in football these last two weeks because of some of the bad situations they've been put in. That is damning with faint praise, but I'm I'm offering it nonetheless. Next up, we'll try Bo again. Bo, are you uh, you on the line here on Sports Radio 810 WHB? Hey, Josh. Hey, I got I want to make four points here. My first point is let's let's start off at the, uh, with the defense. This defense is garbage. Okay. My point is there's no difference between uh, the tenure since Andy Reid's been here with Bob Sutton's defense and Steve Spagnuolo's defense. The parallels are that Steve, uh, Bob Sutton's defense cost him his job with the New England uh, game. Give it, couldn't stop uh, Tom Brady. Spagnola's defense could not stop Joe. Could not stop uh, Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. and cost him the championship game. Both in the championship game, both could have been a Super Bowl trip to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. The other thing is. 20-yard uh, play, plays or more, the Chiefs are dead last. Red zone efficiency, third down, Chiefs are last in the league. I mean, there's just so many things that hinder where the offense has to pick up. Point two is these bookend tackles are trash. I think a lot of the miscommunication with receivers is the timing between the tackles and stuff, and Patrick Mahomes getting the time to get that ball out and get it down the field. And my next point is Harrison Bucker, I don't know. There's so many excuses for him and for these missed kicks. He cost us a game in Cincinnati, I believe, with that missed kick. He also cost us, could have cost us this Houston-Texas game because of this missed kick and missed extra point as well. I mean, so some of these issues and stuff, but I, I – I assume to believe that Spagnola, there's got to be accountability with Spagnola and this defense. I uh, I appreciate the call, Bo, because yeah, look here here's what I here's what I would say is first of all I had to go look and I was surprised by this. Bob Sutton was the defensive coordinator here for six seasons. Didn't feel like it was that long, but 2013 was a long time ago. I just think there are going to be different ways you could look at it. I, I don't necessarily want to plant my flag on top of Steve Spagnuolo is actually great Hill because I I think he's I think Spags is doing I think Spags is fine with a group of defenders that are fine and situations they've been put in recently have been less than fine and ultimately the sum of all of those parts might even be less than what they are altogether or maybe they're more together than they no let's see they're. Less than some of their parts, perhaps. Where it's just a whole bunch of meh. And ultimately, that just kind of coagulates into a very bland, sort of forgettable defense. That might be where I'm, I'm towing the line a little bit between this defense is terrible and th- this defense is going to be fine. I just, I think that this is going to be true once again. If the Chiefs win the Super Bowl this year, it's going to be because Patrick Mahomes was the best player on the field several games in a row. Maybe the defense can make a couple plays when Chris Jones is the best player on the field because he can be that. 
I just don't have much faith in, in the rest of this unit right now when it's just okay. And I know, I imagine being like Joshua Williams, obviously they're on the roads, this isn't happening right now, but imagine being Joshua Williams or Jalen Watson or one of the new members of the, one of the rookie, George Karloftis, whatever, driving around in your car, flipping on your favorite radio station, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Asterisk, conditions may apply. But you flip on the station and all of a sudden you hear all, nothing but fans complaining about how you didn't win by enough. I can understand why that would be confusing, but I want to set this up to make this point. No one who's calling in right now is really upset about only beating the Texans by six. Everyone who's calling in frustrated or worried about the defense or whatever is worried about the Bills and the Bengals and the Dolphins and the Eagles. The, these calls aren't really about December. They're really about January and hopefully February. Because eventually it gets kind of, I can see how it would get grading, right? Like you, that you have to win these games with style points or whatever. But we're in this space because Chiefs fans have raised their expectations since Andy Reid got to town. That's a great thing. But sometimes we do a couple of post-game shows in a row that has the feeling of a loss with the, uh, the alphabets, if you will, as Eric Bieniemy would say, of the win. Just a funny place we've arrived as a football town. A couple more calls here, then we'll take a timeout and begin hearing from Houston, hearing from the Chiefs in Houston, that is. Uh, next up, we go to Ted here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. What's up, Ted? Hey, Josh. Uh, I want to talk about the coaching. Okay. Um, I got about three points on the coaching. Number one... We, we go up against the number one, our, the worst rushing defense, and we ran the ball one time in the first ten plays of the game, and that I, I felt like that kind of set the tone yeah. of 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 kind of letting them in. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. We, we 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 punted twice, but we ran the ball one time. We we abandoned if that was our game plan to run the ball, we abandoned it in the first ten plays. Um. Second of all, I don't under. Am I the only one that thought at the end of regulation we were playing for the field goal in the play calling? Oh no, 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 they were. Yeah, they were. Okay, okay. So, but that philosophy makes no sense whatsoever because then when you go to overtime, when you miss the field goal and you go to overtime, they're going to play for a touchdown. Yep. And you can see it in the play calling. Yep. It made no sense and with what after Butker had already um, missed the field goal to not play for the touchdown. You put the you put the ball in Butker's foot instead of Mahomes' hands. I, that made no sense to me whatsoever. And the last thing is, I'm done with Dave Tope. If <laughs> game after game after game, we have bad. Uh, special teams and I don't like it I think it's a bad deal having uh, your special teams coach be the assistant head coach he's got too much of Andy's ear I could not believe we hadn't hit the we, the farthest we got on a kickoff the whole game was the 23 yard line <laughs> and we and we brought it out again in <laughs> overtime and got the penalty and it's just like I can't remember what game it was where we were at the end. We he instead of going uh, fourth and four or whatever with Mahomes, we we uh, Butker uh, kicked the fifty-five yarder and missed it. Mm-hmm. And it's like 
he's always trying to justify special teams, and they should he should have for, uh, fair caught the ball on on the overtime, and um, I think he's just in Andy's ear all the time trying to justify. We can make the kick. We can make the kick. We can make the kick, and I just hate it that they played for that field goal at the end of regulation. I just I don't understand it. Ted, I think you're our last caller, at least for a little bit, and you ended it with a symphony, pure music to my ears. Um, I don't think I, I don't think I disagree with any of that. Maybe I missed something somewhere in there, but that that whole sequence was deeply, deeply frustrating. I guess I don't know. I, I don't think anybody from this coaching staff. I don't think any of the coordinators are going anywhere after this year unless Eric Bieniemy gets a job or gets some opportunity that he thinks would be better for his long-term future. Maybe he makes a move. I'd be stunned beyond words if they fired C. Spagnuolo or Dave Tobe this offseason, barring something worse happening. But that sequence, I don't know that Dave Tobe is saying, yeah, yeah, pack it in, kick it. He's got this. I don't know if that really falls to Reed, if that's more of a Tobe thing. I don't know. But whatever is happening there, Whatever happened at the end of regulation, it's a great point made by Ted. When you got the ball in overtime, you went and played for the touchdown. Why are you playing for the field goal there? You don't want to give the Texans a good opportunity, but if they wanted to, they could have tried running a little sideline route and try kicking a field goal of their own and try to end that thing in, in regulation. Instead, they were the Texans, and they weren't going forward on fourth and short, and they didn't try anything at the end of regulation. They played for overtime and then immediately gave the ball back when Frank Clark and Willie Gay made great plays on that last defensive play of the day. But it just ultimately, this is the way that this game goes. It is unsatisfying. It is frustrating on a lot of levels. Those hats and t-shirts might not feel super special when you got seven in a row. I mean, I saw Justin Reed tweet about it. Here's the thing. Justin Reed has, does not have seven of them. He's new. The rookies on this team don't have seven of them. They should enjoy this. I'm sure Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes will wear them home and throw them in a pile. But it just ends up being one of those games that is a little underwhelming for a team you have higher expectations of, and there are sort of vague coaching things. There are very specific coaching decisions, like we just talked about. There's the team coming out kind of flat, and then needing overtime for the one eleven and one Texans. We were in danger of the Chiefs almost having to deal with a tie on their record for this year. A bizarre, bizarre game uh, that maybe Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Clark Hunt, Jarek McKinnon, maybe some of them will be able to clear things up for us. We'll take a break here on the Sports Radio 810 post game show and begin hearing from them whenever we come back. It's all brought to you by CBD American Shaman. Free CBD samples every day. Any points in the game's over. Texans still need to be smart with the football. All day long they've done a good job. No turnovers. Mills. Blocked by Ogun Oale, and here's Rowdy fumbled the ball! It's loose! It's loose at the 27, it looks like the Texans have jumped on the ball! I forgive Kevin Harlan for thinking that Houston had recovered because what Willie Gay did at the bottom of that pile to get the ball back for the Kansas City Chiefs was a truly excellent play at the bottom of the scrum. A great punch out from Frank Clark. That is no question our defensive play of the game brought to you by Slagle Fence. When you need a fence, call Slagle Fence. Slagle Fence installs it all from wood to ornamental steel to vinyl to chain link. No job is too large and it'll look great too. Schedule your free estimate by going to slaglefence.com or 
Call 816-863-6159. It really was a defensive standout there at the end to give the ball back for the Chiefs to punch it in for the victory. That overtime sequence, however, might have been the best couple minutes of football we had all day here from the Kansas City side of things. But ultimately, it was enough to put the bow on it in a game that was, well, for lack of a better word, weird. However, uh, not weird at this point to hear from Chief CEO and Chairman Clark Hunt as he speaks to the media following these now annual events where the Chiefs lock up the AFC West. Following the seventh consecutive one today, the Chiefs uh, owner, again, Chairman, CEO, Head Honcho, of the Hunt's fame, excuse me, of the Clark's fame, Clark Hunt spoke to the media following the Chiefs' AFC West clinching victory. And it's a testament to the hard work of Andy, Brett, and, and their staffs uh, for putting together a team that has a lot of players who's able to come out uh, and get that done today. Um, however, uh, the team recognizes that uh, we've just given ourselves an opportunity. Uh, the most important football is in front of us. Uh, we've got some important regular season games over the next three weeks, and then the opportunity in the playoffs to hopefully get back to the Super Bowl. I'm happy to open it up with any questions. Yeah, I think one of the most difficult things in the National Football League is consistent success. Uh, the rules are designed to make that difficult, uh, whether it's the draft or the salary cap. So it's a real testament to the job that General Manager Brett Feach and Coach Reed have done uh, over the last several years. Um, we obviously have a bunch of young players and we've got some new players and Andy and his staff have done a tremendous job of incorporating them into the team. And that's just part of the National Football League. And uh, they've really done a fantastic job and I couldn't be more proud of them. Mark, is there anything about this title that stands out to you? Uh, well, every one of them special. And uh, you, you certainly uh, enjoy clinching uh, this early. Uh, but uh, as I said, there's a lot of football ahead of us. Uh, we've got to make sure we stay focused, starting with the Seahawks on, on Saturday. Um, we, we need to you know, bear down these, these last three weeks, uh, hopefully get some home field advantage in the playoffs because that's important. Um, and then the other thing that really stands out about this year is the number of young players. Uh, we heard uh, Coach talk a little bit about uh, their contribution. Um, it's difficult when you have as many rookies uh, as we do uh, to get them to play at a high level on a week-to-week -week basis. And I think Coach Reed and his staff have done a tremendous job there. Well, I, I think that's true every year, uh, whether it's the AFC West or, or just the other teams in the AFC, they're, they're going to focus on trying to knock off uh, the, the reigning champion. And it feels like every week uh, when we come out uh, that, that it's a Super Bowl for the team that we're playing. The game's that, that important. We're going to see their best. I think that was certainly true of the Texans today. Uh, my hat goes off to them. They, they gave us all we could handle today. And, you know, that, that's true on a week-to-week -week basis. Uh, same thing with Denver last week. And I'm sure Seattle be, will be of a similar mindset when we get there on Saturday. You got to see a bread out there today. That was almost like a home game. 
Uh, yeah, I, I just can't uh, say enough about what a great fan base uh, we have. And uh, I, I know many of them took the opportunity as we approached the holidays to, to travel down here to Houston. Um, we had a bunch of fans out there. Uh, you heard it in the national anthem and then throughout the game. Uh, so our fans are a big part of our success, uh, whether we're at home or whether we're on the road. Uh, we really have a tremendous fan base. The Chiefs kingdom is is very broad. Well, I think you can see that he's maturing uh, as a as a player. Uh, he came into the league as a remarkably mature young man, um, and the responsibility that, that he had coming right out of college was tremendous, and he handled it well. But his game's evolved uh, as, as we've uh, moved on in his career. Uh, certainly there were some question marks uh, about the offense this year, given the changes that we had at the receiver position. And uh, I think he's, you know, showed that, uh, you know, he is the best quarterback in the National Football League. And he's been able to, to adapt his game to continue to win and, and put up very impressive numbers on a weekly basis. There's Chiefs chairman and CEO Clark Hunt speaking to the media after the Chiefs' seventh consecutive AFC West title. It's an incredible streak, the weirdness of this game notwithstanding. Meanwhile, a couple of teams that played the Chiefs very recently, Bengals down uh, 17-3 at the half going up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Meanwhile, the whole division right now is just very weird. The Raiders are up big on the uh, Patriots and the Titans and Chargers had one of the strangest plays you'll ever see in a football game on an ultimately a Justin Herbert pick that I'll tell you was not his fault. Just some crazy things going on in the football world. And while all of that changes around the Kansas City Chiefs, they remain AFC West champions for the seventh consecutive time. Let's hear from the, uh, I'll say, lead orchestrator of the, the, the turnaround. You heard the question and answer towards the beginning about the stability of this organization. Andy Reid, for all of his in-game frustrations, certainly deserves as much credit as he could possibly get for, for what's happened here in Kansas City since his arrival. We'll hear from Andy Reid and what he thought about specifically Chiefs-Texans right after this. Andy Reid is presented by Robert Brogdon Buick GMC and Robert Brogdon's Olathe Kia. Visit BrogdonAutomotive.com. We start from the top with Andy Reid. He had an opening statement and some pretty good news so far on the injury front out of this game. All right. Um, we did, no injuries to talk about. Um, listen, our fans were unbelievable today. Um, I think you know we had more fans than, than maybe what the Texans had, and it was great to see all that red, and I think that helped us with the support down the down that uh, overtime. Um, Listen, I, I uh, it was a weird game. Uh, my hat goes off to Lovey for the great job in which he's done uh, here. I mean, you, you've seen it the last two weeks. It's a it's a hard job, uh, and it takes time as a head coach. And Lovey, uh, you know, my, my word of advice is just give him time. He he's a tremendous football coach. I've had a chance to compete against him for a number of years, and uh, just rock solid uh, football team. Um, the thing I was proudest about our guys was they kept playing. <clears throat> they didn't let anything, <clears throat> excuse me. They didn't let anything uh, uh, hinder them. Uh, you know, whether it was calls, whether it was uh, fumbles, you know, whatever. It, they, 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 they kept playing. And defensively, I thought that was a, a real strength. Um, and then Frank at the end, that relentless pursuit, uh, making a play like he did. Uh, Willie getting under the pile there and, 
<clears throat> and get, making sure we got that football in hand. Um, and then offensively, uh, you know, between Pat and Kels and um, Pacheco and McKinnon, I mean, uh, they had a great day. I, um, Quez's catch before half, I thought, was was phenomenal. Um, so just all around a good, um, a good fight. We, we got to do better in the penalty area, uh, turnover area. We've got to make sure we, we, we fix this. Um, but we'll, we'll get back on that. The important thing is, uh, that we won the game and they're, they're tough to get in this league. So we're going to enjoy this one and, uh, on the way home and, and then we'll get ready for a good Seattle team coming in on Christmas Eve. So, so I, uh, I mean, look, it was a weird game. Andy Reid said that. That was certainly true. My uh, my mentions on Twitter would have verified that about 10 seconds into the thing. Yes, the Chiefs only play weird games. That remains true. Um, Andy Reid saying the most important thing is that the guys kept playing. I, look, I would hope so. I mean, the Texans kept playing, too. I, that, I don't need Andy Reid to go out there and to be a grouchy jerk after a victory. That's not necessarily what I think would be, would be the way to do it either, but... Um, some of that just sounds kind of funny after a game that you needed overtime to beat the worst team in football. And he's right that it, no win is easy, and that is the most important thing. This would feel a whole lot worse if instead of a, a strip on that play, if uh, the Texans would have just housed that handoff. We w- it would be an even worse vibe around here. But still just kind of a funny thing to bring into the mix because you're a team with Super Bowl aspirations. Real ones. There's just, you know, any given Sunday or sometimes Saturday. That'll be the case next week on Christmas Eve, as Andy Reid said. So a short week for the Chiefs to turn things around. And Andy Reid said this game, well, it was hard fought. And the most important thing, yes, it was a victory. You know what? The guys were fired up. I mean, um, that's a hard-hitting group, uh, football team. They know their our, our team knew they were well-coached. And I, I mentioned it to you guys. I mentioned it to the team that <clears throat> you, you, you can't, in today's world, in the NFL, uh, records, you can't go by the record. Uh, the uh, the, everything is so close to parity and you're off by like a fingertip catch or maybe a penalty or a turnover. I mean, it's just one thing. It's never been where there have never been so many close games as there is right now. They're determined by one score. So um, you, and the tape tells you the story you put on the tape and we knew it was going to be a battle. We, we just, we felt that going in. And uh, like I said, a well-coached team with, with good players. And so, um, it was important that we you know, we kept going through four quarters. I think it's a little bit funny for that to be... Uh, you know, everything he says about parity is true. It's There have never been more close games and more evenly matched teams in the NFL. They're, they're, I, I can't remember all the numbers off the top of my head, but there are statistics to support that, that this year has been like the, the quintessential parity season in the NFL. But also, when you say the only thing that matters is that you got the win, like, you know, that's not totally true because you're also saying you got to throw the records out at this point in the season. The wins matter for your postseason standings, but Andy Reid never really seems to want to talk about postseason standings. That's looking ahead. Maybe he does in private. Like, he, they actually acknowledge, you know, the one seed versus the two seed or whatever. But I, I've, I've lived a... A happier life since coming to terms with the fact that Andy Reid's postgame comments aren't always going to 
cover all the ground that I wish it did. So um, we'll we'll keep it moving just as he did there to talk about Harrison Butker, a place where I'm sure Andy Reid is is not quite. I mean, maybe he's still an optimist, but certainly can't be thrilled uh, with uh, with the performance of Harrison Butker when he chose to go to him in some of those big spots. Being a kicker is a little bit like being a batter, and sometimes you get into a slump. But he's a he's a great one, and he'll get through it, and then um, it'll come out of it uh, even better than what he was. But we just got you got to keep kicking, and uh, and that's uh, that's what we're going to do with him. Um, that's fine, I guess. I would rather him stop kicking like fifty yarders on fourth and whatever when Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback. But that's a different conversation. Andy Reid doesn't sound like they're going to be pulling any kicker tryouts or anything this uh, this week. Probably shouldn't be. I think that's reasonable, but uh, clearly a slump for Harrison Butker. He'll at least offer that much. Next year from Andy Reid, what he said to Isaiah Pacheco after he went out there, put the ball on the ground, and the Chiefs had to rely on him later. Yeah, just keep your eyes up. He, he kind of put his head down, and, and they were able to get underneath that. Uh, just keep your eyes up. You, you have a better chance of hanging on to that thing. Uh, he had two hands on it, so you know he, he did good there. But uh, sometimes when you bend over like that, they can, they can get you. So. That's kind of interesting, the mechanics of how that ball popped out. Went straight down like it did to Pacheco. A weird play. It wasn't like he was being careless with the football, but uh, keep your eyes up. And then Ronald Jones got a little bit of work after that. Then they went back to Pacheco. He's he's the most explosive runner they have right now, and, and at least pure runner. They're, they're not going to use Jarek McKinnon 100% of the snaps, so Pacheco's the first man up there, and, and he should be. Wouldn't hurt my feelings if they use Ronald Jones a little bit, and and kept Pacheco fresh, but you're also trying to get him work right now as a young guy, so that that makes sense to me. Uh, what didn't make as much sense to me was what the Chiefs were doing at the end of regulation. It, it felt like they were largely playing to run the clock out and take a long field goal, which is what they did, but then it didn't land. So here's what Andy Reid said about the strategy at the end of regulation. I was hoping we scored a touchdown. I mean, honestly, I, the way things were going back and forth and, and some some of the calls that were going on, I just had felt like we needed to make sure we, you know, we, we scored a touchdown. So you know, it didn't work out that way. Um, but, you know, if we had to kick it, I was okay there too. So, I mean, I, I wasn't – that can be taken two different ways. No, I, I wasn't saying that. Yeah, right. So, I mean, they he says they were hoping to score the touchdown. The the play calling at that point, sort of interesting. I mean, they, where they, they move the ball down the field. They get into, you know, approximate field goal range. Um, and then it's a handoff to McKinnon that loses three yards. It's Mahomes um, ultimately just scrambling around the right side a little bit there for a couple more, and then third and 11, and it, nothing was happening in that screen to McKinnon. So it wasn't very productive at that point, even if the Chiefs were trying to legitimately move the, move the markers and, and, and get a new set of downs, actually try to score, but... Um, from that, that first play, putting them at second and 13, and then nothing else coming together. Even if they were trying to stay aggressive there, it it wasn't executed right, and so the Chiefs end up settling for the field goal attempt, and then it takes them to overtime. I wonder what that play calling would have been like if they were down four. Because that's that would be my difference in the questions of aggressiveness. If you're down four, I, I think they're pushing the ball downfield, because you have to. Or if let's say, sorry, let's say they're losing. Let me just make it that. Let's say they're losing by, by one, two, or three. You need that field goal, whatever it may be. I felt felt sort of like settling at that point, especially the you know usage of time and everything. Certainly on third and eleven, that was when they let the clock run out and just said, "We'll we'll take it from there." But kind of frustrating, regardless. Of course, the turnovers were a problem as well. Penalties and turnovers really kept the Texans in this game longer than they should have been. Here's what Andy Reid had to say about the turnovers. 
Yeah, ridiculous. You can't you can't have that, right? The guys know that. Uh, nobody tries to turn it over, but uh, you got to do the best you can and um, hang on to the football and take care of the football if it's, if it's quarterback. But you know, we did we did a good job with that. Ridiculous is a pretty uh, strong word choice from Andy Reid. There is uh, Pacheco and Juju both lose fumbles. I mean. We already kind of broke down the Pacheco one. It's sort of like with the Travis Kelsey rip. I, I, he wasn't being reckless. The other team made a good play, like the Chiefs at the end of the game. Frank Clark made a great play. Those are just huge, enormous plays that they always swing the balance. Next year from Andy Reid, going back to some of those mistakes and also all of the penalties and what it means for his team to be going through those still so late in the season. Yeah, sure. Uh, you got to work your fundamentals and techniques, and then you got to trust them. So when you're out there and and uh, that's what we'll do. I mean, that's the simplest, simplest story. You saw Pat and what he did. I mean, he, he took care of business today. And um, he went back to work and, and worked on it. I mean, you're talking about a guy that if, he, if he's not the MVP in the league, I'm not sure, you know, what's wrong with it. But, I mean, he, but he cleaned it up and comes out and, uh, you know, we have almost 500 yards of offense minus 100 penalties. But it was, um, you know, that's a pretty spectacular day there. So, but. That's what he did. I mean, great example of how you go back to the drawing board and make sure that you you, you clean everything up. Mahomes played a sneakily stupendous game today. There was a, a stat about his completion percentage over expected, I think. I think it was his CPOE um, in terms of statistically what he was expected to accomplish in the, the times he threw the ball. I, I, I can't find the tweet just yet. I'll, I'll keep an eye out. But a fabulous game from Patrick Mahomes, who was just doing nothing but throwing completions for such a tremendous stretch of this game. Ultimately, his final stat line, 36 of 41. Do the math there. It's a five of five incompletion difference. One of those, MVS probably should have been able to make the play on, but I also think by what Trent Green said, probably... uh, an issue of Mahomes not putting the ball where he should have based off of where how MVS was adjusting his route. Trent made it sound like it was probably Mahomes underthrowing that ball or, or reading it a little different than MVS did and, and MVS's read being good. Regardless, that's one of those picks. Another one, uh, I guess that deep shot that Justin Watson probably didn't count because of the penalty. But regardless, an excellent day for Mahomes. Largely washed out because 24 points in regulation is not very impressive from the Chiefs. And this game wasn't very impressive. But Mahomes really was. Uh, Also here from Andy Reid, specifically about what the Texans presented as a football team in this game today. Number one, you see how this team, the the heart that they play with. And then two, the the defense is tremendous. I mean, he's got, he's, he's running and I presume it looks that way. And, um, and they do just some good stuff uh, on that. Offensively, they're creative. They're banged up a little bit. See, the injuries kind of can get you there, but um, he's uh, – I, I look at the scheme uh, of, of the offense and defense and how they do on special teams, and they're right there. You know, they're right there to get over that hump. And the, this type of game helps them. Uh, the Cowboys game helps them. And uh, the, they will. They'll get over the hump and, and, uh, and be right there for you next year. Yeah, very creative, very creative. Uh, 
and you have to prep for two different looks. Um, so they're, they're different. They're different offenses there. I thought our guys did okay with that part. You know, we, we shot ourselves a little bit with the penalties. That's what, that's where we got into trouble on third down in that. So I get off the field, but I thought we handled that decent. Some uh, words of encouragement there for Andy Reid. Sounds like a legit fan of Lovey Smith and uh, thinks that organization has brighter days. They they should, and we'll see how that evolves. Um, but but uh, let's stick with the the chief side of things here because it's Sports Radio eight ten WHB Kansas City, not Sports Radio eight ten WHB Houston. I didn't accidentally do like an illegal ID there, did I, Jason? Possibly, but we won't tell anybody. Sports Radio eight ten WHB Kansas City, WHB Kansas City, WHB Kansas City, WHB Kansas City. We're now super legal. That's that's something they don't teach you about to law school, but that's a that's where the real precedent gets gets into the equation. Uh, let's stay with the uh, the KC side here. Andy Reid talking about yet another playoff berth and his seventh consecutive AFC West title. And I told the guys my hat goes off to him. So, I mean that was a that was a, a way to fight through it. And there there's a you know there's a certain. Uh, a, a, you know, you set a certain level, and these all these new guys come in. They go, "Hey, man, we got to win. We got to win this thing." And uh, you know, there's an additional pressure on that. But just to get through it, you can see that was a that was a positive thing. And then you can sail from there. So it's a uh, uh, you got that done, and now you just go go do your thing. I will keep it moving with Andy Reid here as they keep it moving through the division. Um, I think we all learned something about refereeing today, which is that now you can challenge forward progress if the loss of the football coincides with the hit slash if it's at the exact same time or if the loss of the football comes before the hit. Um, if you're wondering about Marcus Mariota and the Tennessee Titans and lost footballs and forward progress, you and every other Chiefs fan are all in good company. Um, but Andrew was asked about the specifics of the Texans being able to challenge forward progress. Yeah, so that's a new rule that came in. Uh, last year, you guys can look it up. It's complicated, um, but yeah, contact and uh, and then forward progression and all that. I mean, there's a couple different things that go into it, but you can look look at it. I, they were right. I mean, they were they were yeah they were yeah yeah. That's yeah, a new rule that hasn't. Be first time I've seen it. So there you go quietly passed new rule that none of us saw in action until today and here it was not great timing for Juju Smith-Schuster but uh, not great timing for the Chiefs new rule Andy Reid says they got it right based off the new rule that I read earlier seems like they got it right rare victory for Carl Sheffer's crew they got it after a challenge and a review I guess that probably makes sense we don't think Carl Sheffer's is a big like podcast listener or anything right don't look at Twitter Carl not a good spot for you to be in right now. Last one here from Andy Reid. Uh, excuse me, two more from Andy Reid. Uh, one going back again to the AFC West and taking this division once again. Yeah, it's tremendous because everybody has a piece of this. You know, so that's uh, even you guys, man. I mean, it's it's exciting for you. You get to uh, cover a team that that's wins, and you you got something to say about it, which is good. And that's uh, and that's the way it is with the organization. I mean, it starts with, with Clark, and we all kind of work down from there and. Um, you know, he gives us an opportunity to win, which uh, that's not the case everywhere. I mean, I'm sure that's true. It, it, it is easy to take it for granted that in this organization, the division is expected, frankly, at this point, AFC championship games are really expected if Super Bowls aren't expected. It, 
it really has been a pretty tremendous turnaround from where this place was at a decade ago. Hard to, to sum, sum that up better than the phrase seven consecutive AFC West championships. Last one here from Andy Reid. Some older guys on this roster who have been here before. Some new guys who are winning their first or second division title. Ultimately, what has the head coach seen as he's meshed the older and the younger players together on this roster? Yeah, well, you're going to have some hiccups with, with the young guys, um, but they, they play their tail off and go 100 miles an hour. Um, so you can live with that because they're going to make some plays that are big-time plays, and then there's going to be a mistake here or there. But um, it pays off for you down the road after they get through all this, and, uh, and, and they've progressively gotten better as the season has gone on. And then we've got enough veterans in there that can help, help them with uh, – that pure part of it that you get, you know. Um, so and our guys are good with that. Our veteran guys are real good with that. All right. Thank you, Coach. Okay. Thank good. You. Yep, thank you. Andy Reid here on Sports Radio 810 WHB Kansas City, the 810 postgame show. Joshua Briscoe, the Drake, and Dylan Michaels bringing you everything from Houston. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll hear from Patrick Mahomes. Later, we'll hear from Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest and continue to break down a 30-24 to overtime victory for the Kansas City Chiefs. It was a weird one, but 30 points is still good for something around these parts. Because when Kansas City scores, you score big at your local CBD American Shaman. Our team score is your percent off. They scored 30 points. Points. Overtime still counts, so you get 30% off all day tomorrow on orders of $100 or more at CBD American Shaman, because life is better with the feather. He's got a first and ten. McKinnon, Brown a block, and a block will open up the door. The game is over. Touchdown run, McKinnon. The Chiefs have won. And they win the division. How could anything else be our play of the game that's brought to you by Central Bank? For more, visit them online at centralbank.net. Jarek McKinnon calls game there in the Chiefs' second possession of overtime. They punt to the Texans. Willie Gay and Frank Clark, in inverse order, make great plays to take the ball back on defense. And then McKinnon ends it there, 30-24, to the Chiefs victorious in overtime. I realized uh, last segment, I got so excited to talk about uh, our great call that we had earlier in the game from Mike, earlier in the postgame show, about the game from Mike. I made him our caller of the game and then forgot to tell you all the great things that come with being the caller of the game because he made so many great points and I'm easily distracted. But I'm not easily distracted when it comes to the great beef coming from Greengrass Cattle Company. Uh, the, uh, their store is out in Weston, Missouri, off 45 Highway, less than a mile from the ranch. We've been out there, visited the ranch, saw their whole operation, got to feed some cows, pet some cows, stand in the thing that they uh, hold the cows in whenever they need to like update them on you know, whatever you, whatever you do to keep a cow healthy. Mercifully, I'm not in charge of these cows. They are at Greengrass Cattle Company, and they implement the best practices with their premium Black Angus cattle, providing the best feed, clean water, and a low-stress environment to make sure you have the best-tasting beef in town. All locally owned and operated right there in Weston, Missouri. It's a great operation, great people, and local right here in the area. So go give them a look in their store in Weston or at greengrasscattleco.com. Greengrass Cattle, C-O. Dot com and they'll deliver right to your door as well. Uh, we'll hear from uh, Patrick Mahomes coming up next. A great, uh, incredibly efficient game from him. Uh, tr- boy, the Bengals, by the way, Joe Burrow just took like a 20-yard sack on 4th and 3. There's a flag now, but the, the Buccaneers are trying to put this game away in the third quarter. That was a bizarre sequence I just glanced up for. 
Holding on the defense. Never mind. Everything is back alive for Cincinnati. Boy, that's got to be a uh, deeply frustrating penalty on the Bucks. Football's weird. That was true today as well. Uh, but even when it's weird, Patrick Mahomes was excellent. And as always, this press conference is brought to you by Xfinity. Patrick Mahomes' press conference brought to you by Xfinity. Xfinity Internet. Stay connected with Wi-Fi coverage that delivers the speed, reliability, and coverage you need. Can your internet do that? Uh, We go to Patrick Mahomes' thoughts after this game today. The Chiefs won. He was very good. The team was a little less than that, and uh, I'm sure he had some mixed feelings about this victory today, Uh, 30-24 to in overtime. Yeah, I mean, obviously we know we have a a lot to work on uh, to clean up, at least, uh, with the turnovers and the penalties. Um, But uh, you have to celebrate. I mean, we still won the AFC West, and uh, you have to enjoy that. And I told the guys to do that, and... Enjoy it for like the plane ride home and, and tonight, but we got a short week this next week, so I enjoy it and then we'll get back right back to it. Yeah, I mean, early it was for sure. Um, I thought after the first few drives, we kind of got it going off offensively a little bit, but when you turn the ball over, you, I mean, it keeps teams in games and that team played hard. I mean, they have, they have some playmakers and they play hard, they're well coached. Um, and if you give teams life like that, they're going to they're gonna make it a battle. And uh, that's why, I mean, you see in the NFL, man, no matter what your record is, the margin of winning and losing is so small and Coach Reed preaches that. And I'm just glad that we found a way to win it in the end. You got to get the win to stay alive there. It's funny to just listen to Mahomes talk like he's won 70 consecutive AFC West championships. You know, a lot to work on. We still won the AFC West. We have to enjoy that. I think it's a good thing to celebrate, especially for the guys who have not won it before. Justin Reed, new in town, all the rookies, new to the league. But Mahomes Mahomes knows where this team's goals are at, and they are beyond anything you can win in December. Next from Mahomes, talking about the Frank Clark sack, the forced fumble, the defense gave the Chiefs some life again late in overtime. Yeah, just a big play. I mean, that's why we have guys like Frank on the team, man. He's a, he's a guy that makes big plays in big moments. That's, that's what he's done his entire career, uh, especially when he's here with the Chiefs. And uh, uh, we, we, we punted and gave them a chance, and he, they make that big play, and then uh, Jet kind of iced the game. So uh, you, uh, you get those playmakers on your team, uh, those leaders, uh, to make plays in big moments, and he did. And uh, Jet there is, of course, Jarek McKinnon. He had plenty to say about that game-winning touchdown from number one. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you you always want to end the game with a touchdown. I mean, obviously, we're in field goal range, so we were going to protect it and play it a little bit safer. Uh, And um, they they brought everybody up in the line of scrimmage um, to stop the run. Um, The offensive line washed them down. um, And then Jet hit the the right spot and and showed off his speed that he still got. He's been a little old, but he got a little bit of speed left. And – and got in the end zone. So uh, it's uh, it was just execution by everybody. Uh, everybody did their job, and uh, when we do that, we're hard to stop. We just got to do that for an entire game. I mean, yeah, that's fair. If they could string that together, they'll beat anybody because that's what this team looks like at its best. That is still certainly achievable. It's just frustrating them when they don't play their best football, specifically against a team like this one. Uh, but as we talked about, the Chiefs have won the AFC West once again. Mahomes is gonna be talked, uh, gonna be asked about, going to have to talk about another big win for something that we used to celebrate around around these parts. The uh, the, the the AFC divisional shirts and hats used to sell a whole lot better than they do right now. Here's Mahomes on winning the AFC West again. Yeah, I mean, when you when you start, I say all the time when we start every single season, the first thing we get told when we first walk in is let's win the AFC West. That's our first goal. Um, to come in and win the AFC West, we believe it's always a tough division. And obviously with the players they got in the offseason, um, it was even tougher. Um, and that, that we accomplished our first goal. Um, and so our next goal is to try to establish home field advantage. It's not in our hands, but we can do our best to uh, be ready in case we get that opportunity. 
um, and then to win the Super Bowl. So um, we just kind of continue to get better and better. I mean, obviously we have a lot to learn from this game, um, but we have to continue to get better as a team um, so that when we go into the playoffs, we're ready to go to try to make a run. It's what they begin their season with, and it's what they end their regular season with. More often than not, obviously, it's funny. They still got quite a bit of football left to play here, but they'll do it all as division champions. And then that one seed, it'll ultimately come down to what the Bills do. Meanwhile, the uh, the Bengals have turned that drive into a touchdown drive. T. Higgins scores, and uh, they're going to try to get within three points of the Buccaneers here. Just doing some scoreboard watching in the AFC. The Bills, though, the only team currently in front of the Chiefs in those AFC standings, and we watched them last night handle their business against the Miami Dolphins. Next year from Mahomes asked about Andy Reid and how he has a tendency to call plays to go back to guys who seem to have recently made a mistake. In this case, Isaiah Pacheco in recent weeks, we've seen others uh, have the miscommunication, make their issues, and this is Mahomes talking about Reid putting guys back in positions to, to make good for the team. Yeah, it's, I don't even have to say anything. I think guys know, especially with how Coach Reid calls the game is when you when something like that happens we're going right back to you um and you saw that with Isaiah I mean we started running the ball and he started running extremely hard even harder than he usually runs and then um with Juju he, he fumbles and he got some more catches as the game went on so Coach Reed does a good job of keeping those guys involved not, not letting them hang their heads um and they know uh that we all believe in them um on this team and that's what it takes if you want to be a great team um, I, it all sounds good to me. I think that's an interesting uh, viewpoint into what the Chiefs look like in those situations when they have to pick a guy to go back to. Uh, and, and Pacheco and Juju and really everybody on this team so far have, have I think, proven the Chiefs right for their faith in uh, their ability to turn it around. Next year from Mahomes, what the Texans were bringing in their front seven, what he saw from that group's front group. Yeah, I mean, that's, their, their front seven is is good really good I mean they got guys that can play and we knew that coming in and you could see it on the tape especially when you watch the Cowboys the week before um but they, they did some blitzes that they blitzed Brady a little bit more than I was expecting um but uh we, we got finally got a handle on it a little bit in that second half and were able to move the ball but they got through in a few blitzes that we weren't we weren't really we we had scouted but we didn't expect early in the game and so uh they did a good job they're, like I said they're well coached um and their record hasn't been great but they had a lot of good players on that team what about that hit where he was uh, slammed down to the ground? Personally, not having Herbert Mahomes said yet, I was glad that was a no call because I don't want to live in a world where that is a hit that is penalized. But look, I uh, I understand the the multitude of ways that uh, that roughing the passer has been interpreted so far this year. So, what did Mahomes think about that one that was not called? Yeah, I haven't seen it on like tape or anything like that, so I, I don't I don't really know what it looked like. But I, I, what surprised me the most was like I feel like I'm a pretty heavy dude, and I feel like he threw me pretty easily there. So uh, he's, he, that's a strong guy. I think it was 96. He's a strong guy. So uh, I'll try to stay away from him next time we play him. Just an absolute politician of an answer there. The, the, the mobility in the pocket in the answer from Mahomes, MVP caliber. Uh, and I also, again, I don't, I don't want that getting called. I know that the inconsistency is what frustrates people. I understand. It frustrates me too. But if I get to decide what is and isn't roughing, that should not be it, even though, you know, Chris Jones can't breathe on a quarterback. I hear you, but maybe maybe the NFL will begin to recalibrate even a tiny bit there. Uh, next from Mahomes, playing back in his home state of Texas on this trip to Houston. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we won. Uh, last time I played here, we lost. So uh, I was glad we won that game, and uh, we battled. Obviously, it wasn't a, we felt like we didn't play our best, but uh, we, we found a way to win in the end of the day. And so uh, now we just need Texas Tech to win here in a couple weeks. Can't control that, but he can control uh, what they do going forward. Last thing here from Mahomes on what they need to do to improve on last week's mistakes. Yeah, I think I just went back to the fundamentals. When I watched the tape from the week before, I felt like I left easy throws out there. And so uh, today I try to take those when they were there and 
uh, keep third downs manageable. Um, you get take those easy completions, and when the shots uh, present themselves, you try to take the shots. And uh, there wasn't a lot of opportunities with the coverages that they were playing, and so we did a good job of just kind of moving it down the field uh, little by little until we could get in the end zone. There you have it, Patrick Mahomes. There again, not not talking about improving on last week's mistakes going forward, but talking about improving on last week's mistakes for this game. That makes a lot of sense because he really was exquisite on the mechanical side on taking what was there because there was not a lot of incompleted passes from Patrick Mahomes. In fact, on his 41 pass attempts, just five ultimately were incomplete without there being a penalty or anything like that, which plenty of the plays certainly had those as well. But five incompletions on 41 attempts today from Mahomes. He was exquisite. The team had its issues, but the Chiefs were victorious 30-24. And that includes our locker room report right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB brought to you by Twin Peaks. The Chiefs Locker Room Report is brought to you by Twin Peaks. No one does football like Twin Peaks. Whatever your preference, they have everything from tequila cocktails and an extensive bourbon category to top-shelf spirits and cocktails served over ice balls. Local craft beers and handcrafted whiskey cocktails round out an adventurous drink menu, second to none. And don't forget about their 29-degree man-sized drafts at Twin Peaks. We'll take a quick time out here on the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. Joshua Briscoe and the Drake here with you. Dylan Michaels on the production side as well. All brought to you by CBD American Shaman. Free CBD samples every day. We'll take our break. Come back with Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest to break down the action a little bit more. Still to hear from Lovey Smith as well. Then we'll return you to some football action here on your home for the NFL. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Mahomes. Crumbling pocket. Chased in the play by Lopez. He'll go. How could it be any other way? The Chiefs still get the victory, 30-24. to But it didn't come without its fair share of gasps and concern and frustrations and so much more. If you'd like to get all of the good stuff but none of the concerns in your life, I would encourage you to maybe perhaps go buy your beef from Greengrass Cattle Company. You want to talk about Patrick Mahomes finding some space, finding the green grass on that touchdown? Greengrass Cattle Co. does that every single day. That's right, they're scoring touchdowns. Something about pigskin, I'm not sure. I lost the plot. But what I haven't lost is how good Greengrass Cattle Co. is. They bring you the best beef anywhere you're going to find it because they implement the best practices with their premium black Angus cattle, providing the best feed, clean water, and a low-stress environment to make sure you have the best-tasting beef in town. And, man, it really is. So go check them out at their store in Weston, Missouri, off 45 Highway, less than a mile from the ranch, or order online at greengrasscattleco.com, and they'll deliver right to your door. Thanks to Greengrass Cattle Company, as always, for being a part of the show. And it seems like they usually are being talked about, right, as uh, Matt Derrick of ChiefsDigest.com is joining us. Matt, I don't mean to make you hungry every week. Uh, frankly, I'm just I'm just hungry for a blowout victory <laughs> any time in the next, couple of, in the next couple of games for the Chiefs. You make me hungry every week, and you make me hungry for that low-stress environment for the cattle. <laughs> I, keep, I keep thinking we need to do a, a watch party there because yes. we need a low-stress environment for Chiefs games. <laughs> I think that's the way to do it. That's such a good point. Those cattle are less stressed out than we are. Um, and, yeah, because we, we've been herded around the uh, the ups and downs of this football team. I want to start with a positive thing because it accidentally, as it always does, some part of this game takes three hours for me to even mention. Um, it took a long time for me to even begin to dissect the fact that Patrick Mahomes had five incompletions in this game. Um, <laughs> tell me what you saw from Mahomes here because he, he talked about it post game a little bit that 
he was going back to some fundamentals, trying to improve on that from last week. He was pretty much perfect in a game where nothing necessarily felt all that easy. Yeah, and you know, and and I mean, think about those five incompletions. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of them, if he and 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 MVS are on the yep. same page, is a touchdown. Yep. And that was just, I mean, that's just the chemistry playing with each other, knowing what you know is going on in your mind, kind of a play. Uh, that, I mean, yeah, it was darn near perfect for Mahomes uh, and and the offense in general. I mean, they put up 502 yards of offense. That's a lot of offense, Josh. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and still, it was only only good for 24 points against the Texans. So, just on the offensive side, help me make sense of that. You got the best of Mahomes. You got some good work running the ball from Isaiah Pacheco when he was holding on to the ball, of course. Um, make make me feel better about 24 points in regulation, or at least explain how it happens to me. Yeah, I mean, once again, it's a little bit of the um, feast, but fam or famine. I mean, you know, the Chiefs had a, a couple of drives that went absolutely nowhere. They had couple of drives that went absolutely everywhere. Hmm. Um, thanks to the penalties, they had one drive in which they gained 108 yards. Um, that's that's not easy to do. No, that is very rare. Uh, 13 plays, 108 yards. That's pretty impressive. Um, it's got a touchdown on it, so at least if you get 108 yards, you get a touchdown. Uh, the penalties were, were bad on both sides. I mean, certainly it killed a couple of Chiefs offensive opportunities. Um, certainly kept alive a couple of Bengals opportunities. That was a part of it. Um, hey, they have a couple of turnovers. That's a part of it. That's how you you get away from scoring some points. Um, I mean, it was just a little tick here and there. I mean, but I mean, overall, the offense. I mean, what was it to complain about other than the turnovers, and the penalties? Right. Which I guess is a lot like you know saying hey, Germany had a great century except for the World Wars. <laughs> um, but I mean, they were they were they were solid in that respect. So I mean, like I said, except for maybe the penalties and the turnovers, uh, there was a lot to like, especially to me for the bounce back because Mahomes didn't have his best game against the Broncos, even if he was productive. I mean, the turnovers were the problem today, not so much. I mean, he was he was sharp. He was dialed in. Uh, one more time with the Chiefs. The Chiefs had a 108 yard drive. Is that what you said? Had 108 yards on that final drive uh, because they had uh, what 11 penalty yards. It was a 97-yard drive from their own three. Amazing. Uh, Seven I, first downs. I asked for that again because just as you were saying that, I saw this tweet from uh, Zach Eisen on Twitter saying Cincinnati's four scoring drives in this game here today have been a combined 104 yards. 26 yards per drive yeah. against the Buccaneers today. Just for just, there's no take there at all. Just, oh, Joe Burrow just threw a pick that got dropped. So I mean, I, maybe there's a take in here somewhere. The Bengals have looked wacky, uh, but that's neither here nor there. Just a funny uh, juxtaposition for where this team is at. Uh, and, and you tweeted this a, a little bit ago as well. Looking at the AFC West now, the Raiders, Broncos, Chargers, and Chiefs all hold 15 AFC West titles uh, and two for the Seattle Seahawks. I think their comeback is going to take longer than the Chiefs did, uh, but uh, what what can you do to put seven in a row in context? And then we'll talk about some of the negatives from this game. I mean, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, especially just given uh, that this is not the day and age when you know you expect it to happen. It was supposed to be all about parity. It's a little bit easier. Four teams in a division for the five like there used to be and all that. Um, but I, mean, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, it's remarkable. What is it? There's only three franchises now have pulled that off, hmm. and I guess one team is a, I can't remember who that is, that has more division titles in a row. I'm assuming it's the Patriots or something. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's pretty remarkable. That stability is amazing. I mean, especially in a league where coaches turn over and players turn over, and I mean, the Chiefs even will do it through a couple of quarterbacks. So that has, in and of itself, I mean, even though – uh, Alex Smith was only there for the first two. It's still pretty remarkable to me. 
And then uh, what are we allowed to be frustrated from in this game? Because there's a lot of little things. I, I don't necessarily know that there's one singular uh, plan that could be changed going into the rest of this season, but I, I need help dissecting it here to, to figure out where exactly, wh- what, it, what it was that kept this game needing overtime. Well, I've been trying to pour through that too because, I mean, the defense, I mean, you look at the overall numbers, did not play badly. Um, they have 129 passing yards. Uh, what? That was a 50% passing rating from the, the two Texans quarterbacks. The Jeff Driscoll package, which was so effective against the Cowboys last week, did absolutely nothing in this game. Hmm. Your defense allowed 3.8 yards of play, which don't know if you know about that is suboptimal. Yep. Um, the, you're, you only gave up 65 yards on, what, 19 carries to their running backs. Um, but you look at it, and, and you know, and I, I had to start going through the possessions before, you know, you, the two things that jump out at you, turnovers and penalties. And you look at it on, on the Texans' first touchdown drive, they get 14 yards of penalties that help them out. I think there was at least the first down or two that helped them out, too, that converted, you know, one of those. Uh, 21 yards on another touchdown drive. It was only a 49-yard touchdown drive anyway, and 21 of them are on penalties. So that was a matter of both turnover and penalty killing you on that drive. And then the other, their final touch field goal drive that tied the game, 14 yards and penalties. Their other touchdown drive was 17 yards because of the turnover. That's it. I mean, I, I think you take away one of those turnovers, and Chiefs, I mean, they probably, well, they're not going to cover the spread, but yeah. um, they would have won the game in regulation. Yeah. You take away one turnover and maybe one penalty, and yeah, maybe the Chiefs do cover the spread. That's there, The score does not indicate to me the, the depth of difference between these two teams. I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, we, we, talk, we saw two, two teams playing entirely different sports today. Uh, it was just the, the, the Chiefs, you know, with the penalties and the turnovers, that was the entire difference in this game. Is there anything they can do about that, or is that just going to be how it is? I mean, some of the turno- some mistakes were certainly of their own making. I don't know that the turnovers, either one of them, I mean, those are just bad luck turnovers. Yeah. You know, the solution to those two, two particular turnovers, you, you get the ball away from the Texans. And that would probably be the only disappointment from the defense today is that they, they weren't really able to do that. Um, this is a team you probably should have been able to take the football away from. I, I'll, I'll still take 3.8 yards of play. Yeah, I'd like some turnovers, but you give up 3.8 yards to an opposing offense. Both of the time in the NFL, you're going to win that game. And I don't mean just like 50% of the time, more like 90% of the time. Yeah. Matt, I'll have a whole lot more questions for you Friday on The Zone. Until then, uh, enjoy the rest of the week. Try to make some more sense out of all this and and bring me – I need answers on my desk by 11 a.m. on Friday. Oh, I'll I'll have a report for you. I'll have a whole TPS and everything ready for you. I I would love that. And if anyone doesn't want to wait for uh, Friday at 11, you can, of course, check it out at ChiefsDigest.com. Matt, thank you as always. Talk to you soon. Take care, Josh. Matt Derrick of ChiefsDigest.com. Follow him on Twitter as well, at Matt Derrick. Um, or again, just visit ChiefsDigest.com for his post-game thoughts there. We'll take a quick break, come back, hear a little bit from Lovey Smith, and then wrap things up before we send you out to the remainder of the fourth quarter with a uh, heck of a weird game going on, Tennessee and uh, L.A., being the Titans and Chargers here in the AFC West and an AFC South foe going off uh, against each other. Plus, Sunday Night Football coming around tonight as well. We'll talk about that and break it all down one more time when we come back from the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show brought to you by CBD American Shaman. Free CBD samples every day. McKinnon, the back. 
Mahomes easily outside. McKinnon blocked by Kelsey. And that is a touchdown. McKinnon catch and run 20 yards. The Chiefs were victorious, 30-24. to Don't let the final score fool you, though. That took overtime. That took a stressful performance and some ups and downs from those Chiefs. But it's a victory. The Chiefs still need a little help from the Bills to lose to take the, the one seat back, but they did clinch their seventh consecutive AFC West championship. Pretty incredible streak for the Chiefs. Lovey Smith on the other side of it all. Andy Reid spoke very highly of the Texans head coach. We'll hear from him here in just a moment. Brought to you by Metcalf Carstar. Brought to you by Metcalf Carstar. If your vehicle gets sacked on the road, take it to Metcalf Carstar, the collision repair experts. They make it convenient and easy to get back on the road. Go to carstar.com and search Metcalf Carstar. Carstar. Relax. They'll take it from here. Here's what Lovey Smith had to say following an overtime loss for his Texans as he looks to hold on to his job there as the Texans are certainly in rebuild mode. Here's Lovey Smith. Um, They're showing up every day, taking coaching, trying to get better, and and then coming to the games and giving ourselves a chance to win it at the end. Um, uh, We still haven't finished the game the way we need to to get a win, but we're building. Offensively, I thought we, you know, whenever, you know, it comes down right up until the end and, you know, you have over 20 points on the board, uh, there are some things that we've done, you know, we've done well. Um, you know, throwing the football, you know, our two-quarterback system, uh, you know, did some good things. I thought Davis did some good things throwing it. Um, you know, our plan when Damon went down, of course, was, as you saw, was to move Royce Freeman up. And uh, he's a good football player, been on our practice squad and can do some things. I thought he ran the ball uh, well throughout. You know, this week we knew who we were playing. Chris Jones, you know, I think is as good a defensive player as he is in the league. So we thought that moving Titus uh, to the guard position would kind of help us in a lot of different ways. Uh, so I thought that gave us a chance. Uh, defensively, whenever you can take the ball away, it was going to be one of those kind of games. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, as good as there is, uh, Kelsey, you know, Hall of Fame, tight end. Uh, they have outstanding skill uh, throughout, so we knew it would be, you know, tough duty. I thought the guys fought, hung in there. You know, the takeaways always uh, give you a chance, and special teams too. So we, we fought hard, and I understand it's, a, it's still a loss. And, um, we're going to keep showing up is what we're going to do. There's Lovey Smith, as Andy Reid said many times over, a really good head coach. And uh, Reid rooting for Lovey to get a little more time there in Houston to try to build that team back up. Uh, we got a lot to build up. We'll do it all week long here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. The Chiefs victorious in overtime, 30-24 to over the Houston Texans. But now we'll hand you over to some more live football here on your home for the NFL as the Tennessee Titans currently down a touchdown as the Chargers lead them in L.A. 14-7. to Joining now, Compass Media Network's live coverage of Titans at Chargers.